0: consciously we are triumphalistic we are God always wins we always win we always come out on top we always and that does not allow us to have a theology of pain or a theology of suffering
1: you go into the book of James where James says you count it as joy when you face trials many times because it tests and it pretty, we don't We don't think of pain that way. We think of pain as something that we want to get out of, as opposed to something that God wants to redeem. We think of pain as abandonment or punishment instead of a gift.
2: Hey, everybody, and welcome to The Intersection, a podcast that takes a real look at how race and relationships intersect. We will look at how our unique and diverse lives intersect with thousands of people on a regular basis, and how the gospel intersects with each facet and issue that we face. Join us as we look at how we can set our eyes on the life of Christ as a source of compassion for each of our relationships. Our hosts include Pastor Jeff Bogue, Senior Pastor at Grace Church of Greater Akron, Bishop Joey Johnson, founder and senior pastor at the House of the Lord, and pastor coach Kemp Boyd, co-pastor at Garden City Church and executive director for Love Akron. Keep listening as we cross paths on today's episode of The Intersection.
3: Well, good afternoon, brothers. Um, it's always good to be with you. Love our time together. Love that we get to fellowship over really hard and challenging topics and discussions on The Intersection. And this is This episode is no different. We're going to be talking about the pain beyond the problem. And when we talk about that, we have to think about the fear, the deception, and the hatred are survival responses and how pain is the great equalizer. That all needs to be flushed out and worked through before any solutions can be truly effective. So as we look into the pain beyond the problem, we find there is heavy entrenchment of racism on both sides. It's time to deal with the pain and call out the realities of what it is that we have faced. So, hey, brothers, I just said a lot right there. But, hey, this all goes back to our last episode, what we were talking about. We were talking about all these different things. And, man, we want to get really to the finish line of solutions so quickly. But I think what we realized last episode is we got to come back for a minute and say, hey, we gotta identify and really look at some of these, some some of the pain that is associated. So when we so when we talk about fear, deception, and hatred our survival responses and pain being the great equalizer, what are we talking about here, gentlemen?
1: Well, I think I think we're talking about wounds of the heart and uh just you know that the old fable of the the lion that had the thorn in its paw, you know, and and when that pain when you have pain and you have wounds in your heart, that pain, if you let it, drives all your reaction and all your thought processes. And uh, pain is isolating, Uh, pain is is self-focused, right? When I'm in pain, I'm thinking about myself and how I got in pain and how I get out of pain. And when you roll all that up together into wound of the heart, especially when those wounds are um, generational, which is something that you guys have taught me kind of over, over the course of this, this podcast, you know, when you've been, uh, when your history and roots are enslavement and that identity is now generational, uh, that's going to play out, right? And it's going to play out in the way you respond to other people and it's going to play out the way that, that you interpret things. And that is a human condition, I think, is what you're saying, Kemp. Like, that's the great equalizer. It doesn't matter uh, your, your ethnic or racial background. It matters that you're a human being. And uh, when we get fearful, when we get in pain, we start to react to each other, often in negative ways, especially if Christ has not redeemed that and, uh, and if Christ is not bringing healing and help to that. So I think that's part of what that means to me.
0: think about it yeah i I would certainly wholeheartedly agree with that i think i'm kind of stuck over with the last time we were talking about um uh, trying to come up with solutions america solution oriented uh goal oriented let's get to the, the solution let's get to the goal let's do this and if we are not able to relate to one another and to the level of pain that we're facing then it begins to be rather superficial. And so one of the things that I was thinking about is um, as a pastor was talking, Jeff was talking about uh, the pain that we are facing and yet it is so far underground, it is so subconscious, so that we are probably not dealing with it consciously, but these are subconscious responses. And and I'm thinking today, uh, I don't know, maybe I'm particularly spiritual, so I'm gonna go to Jesus today. Uh, <laughs> he said that he is thoroughly. He was acquainted with our grief, and even the the translation is uh, in, in, inaccurate. The word "acquainted" to us means um, barely familiar with, but the word in the Hebrew means thoroughly familiar with. He was thoroughly familiar with our grief, and he suffered in all points as we are suffering yet without sin. I'm going to throw a, f- a few scriptures. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. I don't think we can do any of that because I don't believe we are consciously aware of and identifying with pain. Now, Pastor Jeff said, is the pain there? Yes. Is the pain operating? Yes. Is the pain driving us in various ways? Yes. It's, but those are not conscious responses. Those are unconscious responses. Consciously, we are triumphalistic. We are, God always wins. We always win. We always come out on top. We always, and that does not allow us to have a theology of pain or a theology of suffering. Mm -hmm. Pastor Jeff said, when we we were, before we came on, he's working on the wilderness. I'm walking through um, the 295 times that the word wilderness comes up, which suggests a theology of suffering, a theology of pain. Now, I'm going to just guess. I'm going I'm to ask you guys a question. How often have you heard anybody talk about a theology of suffering? Uh,
1: not a not a ton, but I'll I tell you, Joey, that I actually talk about it a lot. Oh, great. Yeah, and, and, That's why and, I like you. I knew I liked you for some reason. <laughs> Uh, and, and some of this you you probably taught me uh, <laughs> just over the years and and things you have me read. But I in, in the you know we it's we were uh, before we came on to the air here we were talking about how we were both teaching about the wilderness and, and we actually didn't know that. But one of the things that I found fascinating about teaching about Jesus's temptation in the wilderness is which is what I'm kind of dialed in on is he was led to the wilderness by his father. Mm-hmm. So he didn't get lost in the wilderness. He didn't want in the wilderness. God wanted him in the wilderness. And part of why he wanted him in the wilderness was to prepare him for the cross, right? And and uh you go into the book of James where James says you count it as joy when you face trials of many kinds, because it tests we don't we don't think of pain that way. We think of pain as something that we want to get out of right. as opposed to something that God wants to redeem. We think of pain as abandonment or punishment instead of a gift that, that God is is bringing into our into our lives. And I think I really agree with what uh, Bishop was just saying about how it comes out sub, uh subconsciously. Um, I think a lot of what we think of as cultural tension, even racial tension, is actually tied more to father wounds uh abuses of power right it it has less to do with our color of our skin and more to do about who was absent in our life or who was president or who was present and oppressive in our life
2: Mm.
1: and then we'll attach it to something that we can see or touch or blame as opposed to kind of wrestling that through on a deeper level so we'll we'll throw people into categories Instead of trying to understand their pain
0: or even understand our own, that's good. That's good. <laughs> let me let me jump on top of it because I well, press press us a little further at a human level. That is so good. I mean, it is just so right on. At an ethnic level, let's talk about pain of African Americans. I just read a book that deals with um, uh, African American grief. Uh, ra- from racism from a literature perspective, this author took 27 um, literary classics and looked at racism down there. And he began to talk about, now we're now we going to define pain. Pain was not necessarily I'm just suffering. Any responses that can be negative can be painful like anger. So let's talk about how angry some African-Americans might be. Angry because of the slavery, system of slavery, sister system of Jim Crow. Angry because I couldn't find a job. Angry because I, I couldn't find a job that drove my family apart. Angry because of some of the ways I've been treated in certain places. Angry. There is a lot of pain mm-hmm. attached to racism that the general public of America does not want to see nor acknowledge. No. Mm-hmm. And I don't think, well, let me go back. I think some don't want to see it. Some, it's just almost impossible to see. Not because they're not trying to see it, but you didn't grow up in those circumstances. So it's hard to relate. And I'm going to make it as different as between us and fish. That fish could explain to me what water's like all day long, but I don't don't have gills, I have lungs. And so while I may relate to a certain degree I don't know what it's like to breathe water. And while I may relate to a certain degree to grow up in a society where I am always in pain, that's something I think we need to take a look at.
1: You know, it was it, it's interesting. Uh, when you think about pain, a few years ago, I had a kidney stone. I never had one before. And uh, I went to the doctor and he said, he said, I can take it out or you can pass it. I said, oh, I'll just pass it. Well, I <laughs> I didn't know what I was saying. It's a dumb decision because I just didn't know. So anyways, I wound up with this thing for like three months and uh, they finally had to operate on me and, and get it out. It was amazing. When they took that kidney stone out, my pain went away immediately. And what was fascinating was it was only then that I realized how much that pain was defining my life. How I was tired. I was weary. I was grumpy. How I was spending so much emotional energy holding my emotions back. Right. And, and I could go on and on and on, unless you've been in like a chronic pain over a period of time, it's impossible to understand the energy and the focus that it takes to to quote unquote manage that that pain. Yep. Now what I what I think is a common ground, it, it is, and this is back to what you were saying, Kemp, about it kind of the great equalizer, um like I can't understand what it's like to be a fish in water. They can't understand me. But I might understand what it's like to get hooked on something. Hmm. Right? There, there's other things that are like mutual and if I can, it, if I can understand that your experience and this experience was alike, then I can ha- make accommodation or have empathy for an experience that I can't directly relate
0: to, right? And I, I think and I, agree- I think you're right. I think you're right. I think that first of all, the, the Holy Ghost is sitting right, right behind you today yeah, yeah I, he's 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 leading you we're, we're right in the same spot i had two kidney stones and um they, they call it male childbirth
2: oh, uh, it's,
0: i mean it is such pain that you cannot explain it to anybody because it's not a throbbing pain it's not this is a solid ongoing pain and and i went when i went to the hospital the first time i was i said you got to do something you got you have to do something and the lady said Listen, I understand. I've seen men twice your size balled up in the fetal position on the floor. I mean, this is pain that you get. So unless you've ever had that pain, right. I'm not sure you can relate to that pain. Now you can relate to pain because pain is pain, but there are certain kinds of pain. Now you said something so, I mean, so powerful. I think the Holy Ghost is sitting on your head. Um, <laughs> the, the, the when you When racism... Consumes your every thought. Yeah, mm. because everything that you try to interact with—healthcare, your job—it um, racism is involved. Then the pain becomes a part of your context. Mm. It becomes a part of where you live. And can other people understand that? Well, to a, to a certain degree, I think they can. But to an, at another degree, I think probably they're going to have to take a lot. You're going to have to get a. You're going to have to go into this deep to be able to understand when when the guy said before. Yeah, I had a kidney stone. I like, mean, oh yeah, man, that's serious, man. That that's bad. I'm so sorry. Yeah. But when I had two, that was different. <laughs> it's a whole different experience.
1: Yeah, and, and I think and when and when you have a kidney stone and somebody says, yeah, I woke up with a neck cramp, that that's lack of empathy. <laughs> like, and, and I think I that's that's gonna break relationship as opposed to create <laughs> it. But when somebody says, uh, I had a kidney stone, it's the worst pain I've ever been in, and you say, Oh, I'm sorry, tell me about it. Describe it to me. Were you scared? Yep. What it, it creates a whole different level of relate. Instead of Absolutely. discounting it or minimizing it, you, you enter into that pain. Um, and it, and Absolutely. it makes a whole difference. But, yep.
0: Pastor Jeff, here's what you're saying, I think. And, and I'm going to touch on this aspect. This is the reason we came down this road. If you haven't had that level of pain, are you compassionate enough to see it? Yeah. Let, me, let me just Go, go ahead, sorry. Pastor. Uh, yeah. Go ahead, you, Bishop. Hey, I
3: just want to tell our audience: thank you so much for being here with us on the intersection where we're talking about who has had more kidney stones, Bishop Johnson <laughs> or Pastor Jeff. I've had more than had. right now. Bishop Johnson's in the lead. He's Pastor lead. Jeff has had one. Pastor Kemp Boyd has had none. So, and I'm not looking. You through, want us I'm to not pray not for you to one. have one? <laughs> yeah. You I don't. I don't know. though. I don't. No, I want to go back to something. Let me go back to something that you said, Pastor Jeff, and it stuck out to me. You said when you were going through that experience, you were, you were having to hold your emotions back. Yeah. Because you said, you know, I was grumpy, you know, I was weary, I wasn't resting. And I had to hold my emotions back. Yeah. Like that's so, to me, that's so profound because I I, I want to, first of all, let me ask you, why did you feel like you had to do that?
1: Because I had to function. Mm-hmm. Right. So,
3: so. And plus the, you Pastor Jeff Bow.
1: That's right. Jeff,
3: everything is right.
1: We're doing great. And God is good. Well, and kind of, like I wasn't, I wasn't faking it. I wasn't slapping yeah. a smile on, yeah. but I wanted to hit you in the face, you know, like, because you're in so much pain, but I had to function in the world. So I needed to go to work. I needed to be a father. I needed to be a husband. Uh, I need I needed to uh, care for people that I'm responsible care for, but I'm doing this all the time, yeah. right? I'm just like, ah, oh, just miserable. And so um, I-, I wasn't pretending nothing was wrong with me, mm-hmm. but I would barely get home at night because I went out into the world and I spent all of my emotional energy, uh, not having vision, not chasing dreams, not even achieving goals, functioning. Yeah. you know and and I look at I look at people in pain and I see that. you know, you think about a a, a single mom that's been abandoned by a, a husband and she's trying to work two jobs and she's trying to raise kids and those kids aren't cooperating with her she's just getting up and grinding it through the next day and and to look at her and say, uh, you need to achieve more. or You need to better yourself. She's looking at you and saying, I got food on the table today. And my goal is to have it on the table tomorrow because she's in, she's in pain.
0: Right. Um, That is so good. That is so good. Let me go to the next, the next step. we're, We're going, we're hitting some heavy stuff here today, man. So, what happens when you can't function and mm-hmm. every adaptation is a maladaptation? What happens when you can't get up, when you can't put food on the table, when you can't do those things and your adaptation to it is to go get drunk? Mm. Mm. That's right. What happens when you can't, when the system is stacked against you and everything you do does not work? Do you... And you, and you don't know how to go forward. Um, now you have pain on top of pain. And I think I hear you saying that. But it's we're talking about those who can adapt because they have resources, family history, whatever, a privilege, and those who can't adapt because the system will not lend itself to their adaptation and they begin to do mal adaptation so let me let me tell you what that looks like for me so uh whites would say you know well you need to do something about that you need to get up you need to go to the hospital you need to i don't have health care
2: yeah
0: okay well me i I just told my wife take me to the hospital i can't take anymore okay i what what do you what what do people do who don't have health care who say i i can't go to the hospital What about people who I would go to the hospital, but I don't trust the hospital because of experience I had there before? So it begins to be it's spread, we're spreading it out now. How do I interact and how do I relate to people whose adaptations are not mine?
1: Yeah, and 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 that that is like the the question I think that we wrestle with. How would you What's the balance? Because I know this is a question that will come to my mind and probably a lot of people's minds is what's the balance between the adaptation of like self medicating, right? It, you so could say that happening. as opposed to um, being responsible, being, you know, uh, uh, a grown up, those kind of things. Because that's going to be the question.
0: Yep. That's going to come to mind. And what I'm going to do is I, I really feel cantankerous today. So I'm, act, I'm acting up. So I'm not going to answer that question because I'm pushing us even deeper than we can go at one point. Who determines what is the context of the question? Who sets the basis for that question? White evangelicalism, the Black church, the Black neighborhood? Because whoever asked that question we'll be asking it from a particular context and a moral perspective of what ought to be right. So for us, for, for, for African American, for, for normal Americans, you're in pain, go to the hospital. Mm-hmm. Why don't you go? Right. For those of us who are African American who understand all of these other issues, I would not sit in judgment on a person who didn't go to the hospital.
1: Yeah, it it's a that's a fascinating question because the on the surface that feels like moral relativism, right? But it's I had a girl in our church, 25, died of a, a horrible cancer, and uh, her dad came to me one time and he said uh, the only thing that Will take. They're drugging her up on opioids and all this kind of deal with the pain. He said the only thing that really works for her is marijuana, uh, because it relieves her pain, but it allows her to have a clear head and she can talk. What should I do? <laughs> I said, go buy marijuana. That's what I did. Wait till that gets out. That that. And I'm I want to write that at, down now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I I looked at him and I said. Um, I think that's probably why God put marijuana on the planet anyways, right? She's not abusing it. Uh, She's not uh, partying with it. She's functioning, but in a way that will be outside of a normal moral construct. So is that relativism? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, you're in pain. And so you threw the rules out. Or is that, that construct that you were just talking about, Joey, that like, well, it depends on kind of what seat you're asking that question from, yep. whether that makes it a right, a right decision or a wrong decision or a right context or wrong context.
0: That's such a great, that's such a great um, example. Let me add one on top of it because people are going to struggle here because these are very, very difficult concepts. So I've been dealing with a family whose son committed suicide. All right, so. Did he, here's here's some of the discussion we've been having. So did he commit suicide? Mm -hmm. Or was his mental state so bad Mm -hmm. that it was not a rational choice? Mm -hmm. And if it was not a rational choice, then we go back to the whole Catholic perspective that used to be if you commit suicide, then you're going to hell. Mm -hmm. Because we have a rigid moral perspective built out of a particular cultural approach that we don't know we're having, we're having, that then we apply to a different ethnic culture and say, this is what you should do.
1: And it's interesting. And and what, what happens with that is you're uh, ruling Jesus in or ruling him out based on all of that, all of that. So that, that family who desperately needs the love and the grace and the mercy and the hope of Christ, all of that's removed because of, uh, there's no understanding of mental illness or right.
0: Right. I
1: hear what you're saying. Like that choice might've felt logical to him. Yep. I can't relate to that right? Um, but in a, you and I have been doing this a long, long time. I've dealt with many, many suicide things in the, because the families will often say, what happened in that moment? Right. I'll right. often say that part will never understand. Yep. So we have to yep. trust a loving God. You, know you will I mean?
0: never understand it. You can't deal with it. But, let, but let's go back to where we are. So it's Kemp, he's looking at me real crazy. So I want to make sure I get this right. So, <laughs> so pain, instead of we're not at that moment at that moment we're not dealing with pain we're dealing with rigidity what's right and what's wrong Jesus deals with the pain he says you know, so where are you how are you feeling what's going on what he what's loving not what's right so all of the the the, the, the Pharisees gather up this, woman, they, she's caught in adultery. They bring it before Jesus. They throw it down on the ground. They say, okay, d- d- do something to her. Well, uh, what they are asking for is actually right. Now, they didn't bring the man. That's another issue. Um, but there are some issues there. But Jesus doesn't do what they think is right. He asks the question. So which one of you, with, without sin, go ahead and cast the first stone? They all walk away. He bends down. He's writing something. I don't know what he wrote. Uh, I don't know what he was doodling. We nobody knows, but whatever it is, they all walk away. The woman is left standing there. Jesus lifts his eyes and says, "Where are your accusers?" Now we could, I could write a whole lot of stuff right there, which a lot of folks would miss. She's in pain. Mm-hmm. He's dealing with her in her pain, and he says, "So go in peace now, and sin no more." That's over. Let those people go. We're not going to deal with their rigidity. We're not going to deal with what they think you should do. We're gonna. We're not going to do what why they brought you here. We're not going to deal with any of that. Just go on. So you find. Just look at the situations where he enters in. Woman at the well. Other places. Places where he deals with them as individuals in pain, not people who should be rigidly preached to. And
1: when and when we say that. Um we're not saying every man does what's right in his own eyes or nope. you, you find your truth and live by your truth. Sure. Uh, right. So we're saying there's a construct of and a, a parameter, so to say, of scripture. But we're saying one of those big parameters yeah. of that we yeah. we uh, miss on and that we don't lock on to is that Jesus interacted with the individual.
0: Yeah. And one of the reasons we miss that is because, I mean, the fact that right now we have to defend it
2: Hmm.
0: and clarify it and do all those stuff, all that stuff, is because there are people who have no perspective or opening for love. Hmm. It's rigidity, it's what's right. This is what ought to be done. This is what we should have done. This is what is what 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 God would want us to do. This is what the Bible says. And what happens is we end up with a rigid religion rather than a loving relationship with God. That's right, brother. did you they, get rid oh, of that uh, uh, that chirping that was down there? I don't know what what was that? Was that a frog? That was
3: that was my lap dog, my Yorkie, <laughs> whose name yeah, but, is Wisdom. That's her name, Wisdom. Wait, you have a name.
1: Yorkie? I do. I I don't want to do this podcast with you anymore. Uh, <laughs> listen. I, I need to get you a real dog, man. Hey,
3: I wanted a real... Listen, 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 brothers. Listen. Hold on. Let's don't, bring don't this Don't get caught now. up in that, man. Don't let him, don't let him bait hey, you. because like we're we about to go to a painful place. So my brother, he was breeding dogs, and he wanted to bless his nieces and nephews. So he said, okay... I've always wanted a dog, dog, but I'm like, hey, we gotta do this. And so now, <laughs> hey, she's a part of the family. So we it? Pain. There's a lot of there's pain. a lot of ways pain. to have pain. So, but I, but I but I need to go back to something because because Pastor Jeff threw me off because he was talking about my little dog, my little <laughs> little lap dog that I can carry around like a football. Oh um, my!
1: It's not as big as a football.
3: <laughs> that is true. She's not. <laughs> But, but you was talking about, you got to say this again, you, you was like people people are wanting a rigid religion versus a loving relationship with Jesus. Say that again.
0: We are so enamored and so um, inured, I'll use the the, the matrix word inured um, with the text. That we end up in America having a very vibrant relationship with the text, not a very vibrant relationship with the God of the text. Mm. Uh, we are all over the Bible. This is what it says. This is what we ought to do there. But what about the God behind the Bible? The Bible mm. is not meant to replace God, it is meant to be His Word, which leads back to Him. And so, um, the pharisee i believe it was the pharisees when they said he jesus said you come to me and because you think in these words you have eternal life and yet you and yet you don't come to me i'm right here i am eternal life <laughs> and yet you're in all of these texts and all this teaching and all i am life when we start dealing with people we must deal with them as people, which means we need to acknowledge and get in touch with their pain. And I believe the discussion we're having today will go a long way towards provoking, hopefully, provoking people to recognize that to get in touch with somebody else's pain is not an easy thing in America.
1: Yeah, I, we we worship we worship the Bible sometimes more than the God of the Bible, and if you if you looked at Scripture. Um, and you look at Jesus, who's the focal point of it all, right? If you looked and said, what was he rigid about? It's not often the things we're rigid about. So he was very rigid about loving your neighbor as yourself. Uh, He was very rigid about not putting obstacles between people and, and them finding God. He was very rigid about compassion, uh, he was very rigid about self-righteousness. You see what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. and if you instead of proof texting the the list of things that you want That's to good. get That's on a box, yep, you really get to know the gospel, this this heart and the story of Jesus. It plays out in very very different ways. And what it what it doesn't do is it doesn't give you a pat answer to all problems.
2: Mm.
0: Um no, nope. no. Nope. Brother different. Jeff, I like you so much, man. You 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 talk my language. I don't know how we got together, but no, the, no, no, We let, take let, the Bible see. as a rule book. The Bible's not a rule book. That's right. It's, it's not, a principle. There are principles there.
1: When when I grew up, uh I went to a the people in my church love Jesus and they love me, but they were wrong about <laughs> people Not in that order. Not yeah, in <laughs> yeah, not in that order, maybe. <laughs> they love me and they love Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just... <laughs> but they they used to say um the bible b-i-b-l-e they used to say basic instructions before leaving earth mm-hmm. and i'm like the bible is not an instruction manual it's not an yeah. academic book it, it's yeah. a it's a a book that is divine and inspired and it is it is given to us to discover the heart and mm. the mind of a living god mm. And if you if you approach it as a textbook or an instruction manual, yep, yep. you you've abused it, actually, yep. and you'll and you'll usually wind up abusing people in the process.
0: And yet, Pastor Jeff, that's what a large part of normative Christians in America believe. Yeah, and it is more of a story book full of stories. Now, the Old Testament is where most of the stories are. The New Testament has some powerful stories, but it has um, some a lot more principles, a lot more uh, written-out stuff uh, about yeah. what we should believe. But you, I think you hit the nail on the head. Um, Jesus was very rigid, I would say. I'll just add this word about relationships. That's right. the The culture around him was very rigid about the rules. Yeah. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, that we you got to get this thing right. And here's the things that you have to do, or you're not right. And if you're not right, you're in a lot of trouble. So I don't think it's changed very much.
1: <laughs> and I and I would add to that that when Jesus or the scripture through the apostles or in the, in the old testament, when when Jesus gives rules, it's to protect or enhance or clarify relationships. Yep. All the rules on sexual immorality and money and greed. It's all relationship and its it's orientation because he said two big things, love me, heart, soul, mind, strength, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law, all the prophets hang on those two things. So you understand those things from relationship with God and love for your neighbor down, not up.
0: Absolutely. So let's go back for a moment. I'm going to do something that I think will kind of wrap it up and put it in a bow, I hope. So when we look at Jesus, we tend to look at him as a savior to mankind who overcame. And we almost anymore, we just just, just skip the cross. Mm-hmm. Um, he, 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 he's resurrected. Um, but what kind of love did he have? And here's the term that I've been using and I don't know if people have caught on to it or not yet, because I just throw it in. I don't. I don't give any explanation of it. The suffering love of mm. Jesus. The suffering. Uh, let me. Let me, Brother Kemp. Can I. Can I change that one word, please? The painful love of Jesus. Mm. He operates out of a position of suffering and being in pain. For those that he loves. It's attempted in all points as we are. Experiencing everything that we've experienced. Yet without sin. The suffering love. Now I keep saying that over and over. Hoping that one day somebody at my church is going to stop me and say, what, what did you say? I said the suffering love. not the, Not the triumphalistic love. Not the resurrected love. The suffering love.
1: Mm. You know, I, I, uh, one of my favorite passages is, uh, when Paul's writing, he says, I want to know Christ, I want to know the power of resurrection, and I want to share in his fellowship of the suffering. Amen. And, and what I have said is, uh, you can never know Christ at the deepest levels until you suffer. In some of the ways that Christ suffered, and when we're talking about relationships, I cannot know another person until I can share in their sufferings. Doesn't mean that I have to do exactly what they did or go through, because uh-huh. that's actually impossible. Right. But but when you share in their suffering. Uh-huh. Uh, it, it opens up your heart and your mind to, to their life. And it opens up relationship there. Right.
0: And yeah, let let, let me say this I'm too. Go ahead.
3: Yeah. Go ahead Kim. Let, let me say this too, Pastor Jeff, because both of you have shared this in our, in our time and together on this podcast, but also outside of it um, to where you saying that Pastor Jeff, the first thing that came to my mind was you and Bishop and how we said, on our last episode, that, man, we have to, we it said, we said we are modeling what it means to be in relationship. And what you just said was when you, when you made the call, you you had a loss in your life. I believe you lost your father, I believe. Yeah. And you said you reached out to Bishop Johnson. Right. And in that moment, he was able to share in your suffering, yep. which established the relationship that people see now.
2: That, you, that's you know what right.
3: I mean? That's exactly yeah. what
1: you're talking about. He so Joey, Joey entered I I asked him to. Mm-hmm. And then he invited him. Yeah, invited him. He entered mm-hmm. into my pain with me, uh, and, and guided me through it. So he yeah. did he didn't say, Yeah, sorry, man, I lost your dad. That's rough. Let's play racquetball. Yeah. But he, we sat down, we had a conversation, we got deep. He he gave, if you know, Bishop, he's going to give you a book. So he he gave me a book, started guiding me through, which I've probably given 200 copies of that book away because it helped me, but he entered into it, which caused me to feel loved, Mm. which causes me to love. Mm. Right. So it's a, we, he shared in my suffering, which built the relationship which then creates a loyalty. So when Bishop says uh something difficult to me, like you don't you don't understand what it's like to be a black man in Akron, Ohio, I listen to my friend mm. who I know loves me, and I want to enter into his suffering. I'm like, wow. you're right, explain it to me, mm. help me understand it. And our that 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 mutual pain. <laughs> But it's not the same pain, pain. That's right. Right. But if if I can uh carry a burden for Joey, I will do that always because I know already he will carry a burden for me. Yeah. Right? And, and, it, and it opens it all up.
0: And, and, I, and, and I it's I, hard to
3: yeah. enter into that. I'm, right. I'm sorry, Bishop. It's hard to enter into that without the invitation.
0: That's absolutely, right. you need Can to have half absolutely, and then it wasn't a therapeutic relationship. In other words, I wasn't mm-hmm. treating him as a counselee, yes. and saying, "Okay, well, sit over there, take off all your clothes, get on the yeah. couch, and I'll I'll gawk at you."
2: But <laughs> I shared,
0: I shared that that's what some therapeutic relationships are. I shared in response some difficult things that I was going through along the way, not enough to take over from yes. him, but enough to let him know I can relate yeah. to that kind of pain. So the, the, the thing is to become um, respectful of the pain of the other person, whether you can fully relate or not. Pastor Jeff said, and I'm going to just hit these real quick because they're so important. You can't have resurrection without mm-hmm. death. That mm-hmm. I may know him and in his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death you can't have resurrection without death you, you can't have deliverance without some pain you can't get out of the wilderness you can't be delivered until you are in the wilderness you have to get into something so i'm going to just make this statement this is where i am with my study so far there is no transformation Without a wilderness experience, man. That's listen. This is so
3: rich, man. This is so, this is so good today. It's good all the time, but it's really good today. So here's what I need from both of you next time, um, Bishop. When Jeff came on, Jeff was sitting back in his seat. And he was tired. He's like, man, I'm, I'm fair to midland. Right. <laughs> Bishop, you come on, you got on the glass. You started jumping around turtleneck. and stuff. I know it. I know Yeah. It. You got on my <laughs> turtleneck. You ready. So, Hey, we need that next time because y'all brought straight heat. And I got you. Day. I got you. Don't worry. And, and, and I really appreciate it. Hey, listen, before we get off, I need two things from both of you. First of all, give me just one victory right now in your life personally that is happening, but also just one challenge, one challenge of man, how we can pray for you too. how we can pray for one another. Just one victory,
0: one challenge. So with well, you, Victor, um, victory, victory. Um, if I get up in the morning, it's victory. The rest is gravy. When you're 69 years old, I take no day for granted. Mm-hmm. It is a blessing from God. It's a victory every day that I get up. Challenges. Um, how do I help this world that seems to be going backwards in every possible way? Mm. acknowledge that there is a real God yeah
1: Mm. yeah Yeah, it's good uh for me victory um my kids know and love Jesus and love me and I just uh am so unbelievably grateful for that I love being a dad Uh, we call this birthday month so uh, three, three of my uh, six were born in, the, in November, and so uh, I just love it. I love, I love what God's doing in their life, and I'm grateful. And uh, they have chosen to follow Jesus, which is a, Amen. a blessing. Uh, a burden is actually, I think every pastor feels that right now. The, uh, we did 10 years of cultural change in 10 months and uh, trying to understand how to make Jesus make sense, to love people, to meet them, uh, strain on relationships and trust. We're all struggling with it, and I want to be faithful. I, I, I'm a pastor because I feel called to be, and I actually love being, and so those things weigh on my heart. It's not about um, church attendance. It's about people's lives, you know, and so the, when Paul says, the, I've been snake bit, shipwrecked, beaten, and then the burden of the church. And I think every, every pastor right now feels that burden of the church in a unique way. I don't want out from under it, but I need a lot of wisdom and discernment in the middle of it right now.
3: Amen. Amen.
1: How about so you, people, Kemp? What's going on? Oh, here? man.
3: Victory is, man, I get to sit on this podcast and hear from two men that I truly love and respect. The challenge is I get to sit on this podcast with two men that I love and respect. (laughs) So it's both the same thing, but no, a a victory for me, I kind of share with you, Jeff, um, man, my children, man, um, our fifth child, Umari, he turned five today and we, we, we got him when he was three weeks old. He's an adoptive son of ours, man. And just to see what God has done and how he's helped to transform our life is just beautiful. Um, Mm -hmm. My marriage is great family is just wonderful. just excited about that excited about God's favor on my life and what he's doing and what he's showing me and teaching me um, the, it, but seriously the fellowship I get to have with you two is just a tremendous blessing for me and it grows me as a young pastor. Um, challenges is man, you know kind of similar to Bishop you know how, 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 do, how can I be an instrument for him to 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 help to, to speak into what's happening and going on in a way that shows forth the love of Jesus to everyone. Um, not just because you know him and you believe him, but if you don't know him, and believe him, uh, believe in him. How, how do I continue to do that and to be that um, at this time? So that's kind of where I am, man. I again, appreciate you both um, so much. And thank you, our audience for being here with us on this episode of the intersection, man, when we're looking at how everything intersects and all brings us back to Jesus. And so You know, hey, please subscribe, follow us on Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, or YouTube. And we'd love to hear from you. So feel free to submit any feedback or questions to The Intersection at loveakron.com. That's The Intersection at loveakron.com. Until next time, man, thank you so much for being with us. And we look forward to meeting you and seeing you at The Intersection. Stay blessed, brothers. We'll see you next time.